Welcome to Behind the Screens, a podcast where we talk to industry experts and the people who make Universal Screens a leader in the world of motorized retractable screens. All right, welcome back to another edition of Behind the Screens with Universal Screens. I am Sean Colbertson, the CEO of Universal Screens. To my right is Joe Serta, the VP of Sales for us. Uh, and we're joined today, we've got Damon Gochner from Aspiro Agency, as well as the owner of the semi-professional soccer club, Denton Diablos. The background about why, you know, how we know each other and why Damon is, is on today is, Damon and I know each other through soccer, first and foremost, that then led into, oh, hey, you, uh, you do websites and you know SEO and you've got something that could possibly work for us, but we have a relationship with another company and Damon and I are friends and we, we didn't really want to cross those lines with, with Universal Screens and his agency, but one uh, years back, we had a, uh, we had a conference. We do the, what we call our round table seminars every two years and our speaker, which was a SEO expert. He had to he had to back out at the last minute, and on short notice, I called my buddy Damon, uh, and Damon s- said, "Yeah, sure, let me do it." I, he stepped in. He was a he was one of our guest speakers, and and, and he killed it. So, kind of circling all the way back and looking for someone to bring on this podcast. Damon is local to us. We do have him on Zoom because he's a busy man, but I wanted to bring him in. So, without further ado, this is Damon Gochner of Aspiro Agency. Please introduce yourself and tell us what you do. No, man, I appreciate it, Sean. That's, uh, man, it can't, hey, number one, I can't believe it's been this many years already because it feels like yesterday I was over there with, you know, I think 75 or 100 of your uh, dealers and, and installers, you know, discussing SEO. So, yeah, I am Damon Gotner. I am the founder and owner of Aspiro Agency. We are a small digital marketing shop that helps businesses grow. So we use SEO and paid search, PPC, uh, mostly on Google Ads and Bing, uh, but as well as Facebook, Instagram, and email marketing to try to help businesses grow their bottom line in whatever method that is. So everybody from hospital and healthcare clients to service industry clients like screen installers or HVAC, uh, all the way to uh, larger companies like GoDaddy and, and uh, Yeti. So we've got kind of a wide variety of clients that we've worked with in the past six years. Uh, and I've been in SEO and in paid media and digital media, I guess you could say, for almost 15 years now, Sean, which is kind of crazy. So 2007, I started uh, dabbling in Google ads and actually running Facebook ads. I was actually one of the first guys to run some ads on MySpace before that platform uh, tanked out. So I've been, you know, I've spent almost uh, coming up on a decade and a half trying to help businesses identify their target consumer online. Uh, and then sway them to make a purchasing decision. Yeah. So, yeah, I was yeah, gonna man. ask. I, you kind of beat me too. I was gonna ask how you got started in this. You know, I, I kind of knew your background and and, and growing up. And uh, you know, like I said, we're tied in with the soccer uh, background. Yep. But yeah, I was I was curious how you got into this, and uh, you you've taken it and run. And and you know, I mentioned how you did some guest speaking for us. But uh, you know, that downplays you as a person you you are i see you man I, I you know we're friends but i follow your social media and you you get called all over that. the country doing some guest speaking 
I do, man. I do. I actually, if it wouldn't have been for COVID, I was, I was hoping to, uh, I was hoping to break the international speaker barrier. So I had an opportunity to go to New Zealand and an opportunity to go to Durban, South Africa. You know, listen, so how I got into SEO and into digital marketing in general was, uh, you go back into the, to the early two thousands. Um, I was in sales and marketing and I was buying a lot of leads and I was frustrated with the quality of the leads I was buying, whether it was as a B2B, um, uh, insurance sales guy, I did health insurance and life insurance sales for, for companies. So B2B with an agency and an, as an agent. And then after that, I transitioned into the mortgage industry uh, and spent two or three years cutting my teeth, uh, trying to sell paper. And in that process was spending a lot of money buying leads to try to find people interested in either buying a home or refinancing, whatever the case may be. So through that process started trying to reverse engineer of how are companies creating these leads and how potentially can I create leads for myself, not from a cost savings perspective, but from a cutting out three or four other guys that were calling on or the competition around those leads. So if a company sold me the lead, they sold it to three or four other people. And when they sold those leads, unfortunately, that meant that there was going to be five or six or eight people trying to call on. So that was the reason I started trying to figure out digital marketing. Uh, and it really just was a lot of comp, you know, Sean, you know me, I'm a guy that's not really afraid to say no to a lot of things in life. And I wear a lot of hats. And, you know, thanks to the beauty of the Internet, there's not a lot that you can't learn if you really want to. So I started just trying to figure out how are other people doing things and how are they building pages and how are they driving traffic and what does that take and what is the process? And so I immediately figured out that there was some real easy ways to drive traffic through paid media. And if you were smart about your targeting and smart about your offer, you could kind of match those up. Uh, and so I got into affiliate marketing in about 2007, running ads on MySpace for brands like Ford and American Express, for brands like Phoenix University when it was still in its early, early infancy. And so I was able to, to find success and carve out a little niche. Yeah. Uh, and so I was, I was doing mortgages on, you know, during the day and then running affiliate ads at night, trying to figure out what digital marketing was. And so after uh, about a year of that, I realized my future was in digital marketing and not in selling mortgages. Yeah. And so 2008, I switched over. Uh, and since then have been just anything digital. So started with MySpace, then Facebook came around, Google ads popped up. I said, let me learn a little bit about this. And then I was spending so much money, you know, every month on paid media. Uh, that's when SEO in about 2010, 2011, I started to think about, well, how can I get this traffic for free? What if I ranked for some of these terms instead of buying them? And that's what led me to SEO. And so it's been a, it's been a super fun journey and you're absolutely right. I get the uh, opportunity to speak probably three or four times a year, uh, specifically on paid search and specifically on, on SEO. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I got a soft spot. I grew up with a, um, a mom and dad that own a small business and my in-laws and my, my grand grandparents owned their own business, uh, all different verticals and all different types of businesses. So I've grown up in a very entrepreneurial place. And so to your point, I uh, had a chance to work with some agencies and really learn and then unceremoniously was let go for whatever poor decision that was made, a lot of times business decisions. And so in 2014, I looked at my wife and said, you know, I, I really think I could probably sign a couple clients on my own. And if I could do that, I think then that I could take care of them. And, you know, I don't necessarily have to go work for an agency to, to do SEO and to do paid search for companies. And so that's exactly what I did. I signed two or three, uh, I got laid off after a uh, company lost a big client that wasn't mine. And so 
saw the handwriting on the wall and said, I'm going to do this again and again and again, unless I take control for myself. And so that's what caused me. I wanted to, I started a Spiro because I had small kids. Um, I have a, a nine, 11 and a 13 year old now, but at the time they were, you know, four, six and eight. And so I wanted something where I had control and I had a little bit of, of uh, ability to, to carve out and make sure I could be there for my kids. My parents were as entrepreneurs. And then as well, I wanted something that I could, I could put a dollar in and I could put a day's worth of sweat equity in and know that that went to me in the future. And there was something hopefully that I was building towards. So we ran with it and we've been super successful ever since we've had, you know, nothing crazy. I'm not, I'm not hitting Jeff Bezos numbers by any means, but every year's steady 10, 15% growth. So super proud of where we're at. We've got five employees and we've got a building uh, or excuse me, an office up in Denton right on the square. So really great spot and, and we're really proud of what we're doing man that's excellent yeah no I've, I've enjoyed watching your growth from here hey so uh let's let's dumb it down you know let's uh cool i was talking with joe before we got on this and joe was showing me an ad on facebook and yep. you know it's obviously a targeted ad so that's why he's gotten it and so let's you know we've the people that are listening to this podcast are are particularly our customers and those yep. are small business owners much like uh, like yourself and my uh, brethren yeah exactly and so i know some of them know exactly what social media and how that the targeted marketing works but there's a lot and, and you know i'll say myself yes. included that just really don't know exactly how do we get in front of how do i get my ad in front of the right person so can you dumb that no, down and explain question. Yeah. Totally, totally, Sean. And I'm going to dive in on three different pieces real quick, and I'll try to be quick on each part. So if I was a small business owner and specifically uh, a guy that did screen installs and one of your customers, which is dealers that we work with, thanks to my relationship with Screen Mobile, we work with about 45 franchisees across the country. So, And I have this conversation all the time. They want to know, what should I do, man? There's just so much stuff. What should I do? Number one, your Google business profile is your business's homepage in search. So I don't think enough business owners realize that, but it used to be called your Google My Business profile. But before a customer gets to your website, most likely they're gonna do a search for your website because they don't know the exact URL, or they're gonna do a search for businesses in your area that are providing the service that you provide. And so we wanna be found on that. Having our Google Business profile cleaned up, everything correct, verified, good pictures and good reviews, helps us to get found easier in search. Then we want to take in second piece, right? Let's talk about organic search for a minute. We want traffic that we can get for free. We want people to find our businesses when they're searching for any products or services. So what it means, it means that you have to get committed to your community. And I say this all the time, but you got to sponsor the PTAs. You got to be involved at the local level because all of those local relationships provide you links, specifically links from some other businesses website to your website. And so when we talk about SEO and organic traffic, traffic coming from people searching for, you know, um, uh, screened patio Dallas, right? Or the ones that we always like are the motorized screens, motorized screened porch, you know, Denton, Texas. If I wanna be found for that, I need to have other businesses talking to me about that. So we wanna try to get links. So that's where we're just having those relationships and being embedded in your local community. Now, the part that you talked about was targeting and when we get to paid media. So in paid media, I really tell local guys and girls that that we should be focused on two different things. The first place you went to is social media. We cannot ignore the fact that there is still a tremendous, tremendous reach 
penetration and opportunity within social media. Specifically, we're gonna talk about Facebook and Instagram. And we love both of those platforms because of the thing that you mentioned, Sean, the targeting. So when we work with Screen Mobile uh, and we work with their franchisees specifically on social and social ads, the reason that we love Facebook's targeting is because I can go find homeowners to start with. So let me get all these homeowners and beyond the targeting, and let me back that up. How does Facebook know the data that it has? It's through three different ways. First party data, and that's the data that we give Facebook. I fill out the profile, I give them my name, I give them my birth date, I tell them who my wife is, I tell them where I work, tell them where I went to school. So I give Facebook so much information that I voluntarily tell them to build my profile. Second is the data that they can get based on your activities within the platform. So things that I do in the platform, relationships and connections I have with other people, videos that I watch, content that I watch, things that I search for, things that, that I do in Facebook. Then they have third-party data. Facebook is one of the largest aggregators of third-party data, meaning Facebook buys data from other companies to then set and match against their customer profiles and their users so that marketers like myself can come in and specifically target out segments of audiences or specific pools of people that in our minds are very, very ripe and very, very have high intent for our product. So we're gonna use the screen mobile or the, the screened products example. Number one, we want homeowners. Homeowners are gonna be the people that are gonna be installing and thinking about doing screen porches and all those things. Number two, if I went to any one of your business owners, Sean, and asked what part, while we all, everybody's gonna say, yeah, I do, like for instance, I'm up in Denton, just north. So everybody wants all of Denton. But there's two or three really, really nice zip codes, and not even zip codes, but subdivisions that we want even more. So it's, it's about knowing exactly where you wanna go for your targeting. So not only can I pick out this homeowner, right, and give me all the homeowners in the area, then I can pick out homeowners within a mile radius of a specific address, which means I'm gonna get everybody in this neighborhood that's a homeowner. On top of that, I can layer in data like the kind of car they drive. So if I specifically have, want high-end customers, I can go after anybody that's driving a Lexus or a Porsche or an Audi or a BMW or a Mercedes. Beyond the targeting of the car they drive, I can also target them based on their income levels. It used to be I could target on specific income levels. Facebook's taken a lot of punches in the mouth over the past two or three years, uh, specifically with regards to the last political election. So now we can target based on the um, essentially the percentage or what area they fall in. So I can target the top 5% of all earners in a specific area, the top 10%. 10 through 20%, 20 through 30%. So Facebook has a wealth of targeting options. And a lot of them, you won't even be able to, you have to dig so far in the platform to through to make, to your point, Sean, it's very difficult for somebody to even know they're there. What we do is we actually have a set of interns go through twice a year and pull down all of the Facebook targeting and put it into a spreadsheet for us so that we can, in a macro level, start to understand what audiences are truly there for us to go target. I'll say this, the number one mistake I see on most paid media campaigns, whether it's on Google ads or it's on Facebook, is local and small businesses or regional businesses not utilizing the geographic targeting well enough and literally wasting money by showing ads to people that are outside of their service area. Even if they were interested, it's not worth your time and money to drive you know, if we're in Dallas, Fort Worth, it's not worth us to drive to Houston typically to do the job, unless it's 
five or six of a specific type of, you know, house or contractor to developer or something that really makes it. So a lot of times I tell the first place to start is to make sure that we're really, really tight. Anytime we go to Facebook, Instagram, anytime we're in Google ads to make sure that we're extremely tight on our geographic targeting, but that's going to be the first thing that allows our money to go further. No, that's man. That's great information, you know, and, and, and hopefully the people that are are listening to this, like I said, our customers can take that information and, and do something with it. You know, everything is, you know, everyone's budget conscious and some, yep. some of our listeners are, are absolutely full in the pool and they're, they're doing paid advertising. They're doing all the right things. But for those that aren't, maybe those that are hesitant, you know, maybe those that are afraid of uh, this, you know, this new technology, you know, they're, they're not on board yet, but they want to dip yep. their toe in the pool. You know, how, how inexpensively can they say, oh, start man, advertising question. on Facebook, you know? No, that's a great question. Literally, I think the minimum now is $2 a day or $3 a day. And from a campaign length perspective, there's no minimum time. So you could run a $3 one day campaign if you wanted to. Yeah. Now I'm not going to say that's super effective or right, you're going right. to necessarily get the results you want. You know right. what I mean? But Facebook is such an interesting platform because the first you have a primary audience, you have the people that follow your page or like your page or subscribe to your page. So you have a really, really great audience to start with. You know, Facebook also gives us a lot of tools. You can go into your audience demographics and you can see the people that like my page, who are they? What's the average age? What does it skew from a gender basis? What's the average income? Are they homeowners? What's their education level? Do they have kids? All of those things can then help you target your ads better. To your point though, Sean, the reason we love Facebook, I used to have a, a, a when Facebook first came out, they had a, the minimum daily budget was a dollar. And I used to talk to businesses, specifically small businesses, about a dollar or two dollar a day plan. You know, and I would tell them, if you can't literally put a cup of coffee into your business each day, which now is like five bucks or six bucks, yeah. but at the time, if you can't put a cup of coffee into your business each day, then I would just question your commitment to really growing your business or wanting to grow your business. Yeah. You know what I mean? So one to two percent of your annual revenue, you should be thinking about reinvesting in marketing in some way, right? And so I will always tell small business owners, you know, $50 in a month, $2 a day, or just under, it's like $1.75 a day. If you can't pick $3 a day, which is $90 for an average month, you can learn a lot in that $90 ad spend. If I just target a one mile radius uh, around a customer that I just did, and I use their success story and pictures of their, just got done with this job in Argyle, super excited, would love to do more jobs like this. And I target just in Argyle, a one mile radius around that homeowner, right? And gave it $2 or $3 a day. Yeah. I promise you, you're gonna, A, you're gonna get an insane amount of impressions. So a ton of people are gonna see that ad. For $3 a day, you're gonna probably get two to 3,000 people that see that ad. You're not paying for that though, you're paying for the click. Right. You're probably gonna get 80 to 90 people that click on that ad and go to your website or go. If you're good at all at what you do, we should be able to get two or 3% of those to convert into a lead and convert into some sort of phone call. Most businesses, if I told them I could get them two or three people to call them at a cost of $30 or $40 a phone call, they would take that because they know they're gonna convert one of those into a new client and that's gonna be worth $100 in ad spend. And yes. so that's where I tell business, small business owners to start. Carve out 100 bucks, figure out a really, really smart way to put your best foot forward, do it in the most 
tight, small area you can, and then just stay true to it. Commit to it for a month and have some way to measure it. Have the, you know, have the phone, you know, if you can, there's always ways to get call tracking numbers. And I know we're getting kind of deep in the weeds now, but even just having it go to your phone, to your uh, setting up a Google forwarding number, which is free and having it, the number just forwarded to your cell phone. So, you know, you can put a whisper on there so you can get a heads up, Hey, you know, Google ads call or Facebook ads call. Then you, you can actually monitor, excuse me, uh, measure and attribute what you're getting from that investment as well. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. Hey, so let's say I am, uh, let's say I have a, a small business, Sean Shades, and uh, yep. you know I've got my Facebook page. Um, I go out to Damon's house. Joe and I go out there and we do an installation. Joe yep. grabs the camera, takes some pictures, he takes some videos, uh, and we're going to go on to our we're going to go onto our Facebook page and we're going to post this. Now, there's one way I could go on there and I could post it. I could not tag anyone. I could just post it out there. And, you know, the people on my page are going to see it. What benefit is it for me to go in and let's say the vendors involved, let's say my motor that I did with you is Somfy and the the screen that I did with you is Pfeiffer. Uh, The company that I purchased that is Universal Screens and and whatever these. So how important it is. And the homeowner. And the final piece to that, Sean, too, is the homeowner is Bob Smith. Yeah. Right. So the question is, Facebook algorithmically tries to show posts. So now we're talking about how we can get that post seen organically. I'm not putting any money behind it, but I just make posts. The, the platform itself, meaning Facebook today, is not geared to show our post as they are, as businesses. Even as individuals, you don't see all the content that your friends post. Right. It's just the way the algorithm works. What it's trying to do is only show you the content that it thinks you're going to engage with the most. To your point, Sean, the more connected a post is, the more parties that it involves, and the more of the attributes or post options that you include. Awesome, we posted a photo and a video, and we tagged another company, and we tagged the homeowner. Can we post our physical location? Can we add a we're excited or how we're feeling? Can we include a link in the thing as well? All of these are, are attributes that Facebook's looking for to a post to see how, what is the chances because the more attributes that you include in your post, the linking, the, the uh, sometimes even hashtags, that, um, that those attributes will help algorithmically drive you to get more views. So it'll set it up. Beyond that though, the power of the social network is, as soon as I tag, you know, as soon as Sean Shades tags a Spiro agency in the post, everybody that's in a Spiro agency follower fan now has the chance to see that ad. And for you as a small business, Sean Shades, the most powerful tag in all of that is the homeowner. Because I promise you, the nature of you guys' business, no homeowner you know, there's a lot of clients that we work with, bail bondsmen, plastic surgeons, very difficult to get reviews for because nobody wants to admit they got, went to the bail bondsman or they went to the plastic surgeon or they had to have dentures or that, you know what I mean? Yep. But everybody's proud of their home. And as soon as they do these upgrades and they have this livable space, they want to show it off on social. And they love when the company that did it shows it off because then it makes the, the client is the one in the end that feels like you did such a good job that you want to show it off. Ultimately, and this is a point that I tell all my screen installers and the screen mobile franchisees that we work with, is from the get-go, from the very first consultation when you come out the first time and introduce yourself, tell the homeowner or the client, customer, 
my goal is to do a post after this and get you to leave me a positive review and then do a like a literally a whole post about what a great job we did here and so that's what i'm setting out to do so if at any point anything doesn't align with my goal let me know because that's what i want and i'm going to come back at the end and ask you to leave me a review on facebook and leave me a review on google and then i'm going to ask you to share out the the posts that we do you know talking about what a great job we did here yeah and number one it's going to help you from the review standpoint but then number two you're just setting it up so every time you do a job you're building this library of content of all the work you do that's the easiest sales point ever for you guys in particular for the shade industry people want to see that you've done something similar whether it's the type of you know opening they have whether it's the type of home whether it's the span, whether it's the type of material, whether it's motorized, non-motorized, whether it's all of the different facets, they just wanna know that you have experience and that you've had a satisfied customer and that you can repeat that process. Yeah, hey. Every time, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's that's tremendously valuable uh, for, for our customers to hear about just tagging and how that opens the door basically it opens the door for other people to see your content because of these facebook algorithms it's something that we've been stressing for for years now is that you can have a great post you can have a great picture a great video but if you don't attribute it to anyone else then your following is the only one that's going to see that but if you take and you tag on to let's say a spiro and they've got a thousand. Okay, great. Well, what if we tag onto them and they've got 10,000? That's that's what you're trying to do is just build this snowball effect. And so having you say that is is tremendously valuable to the people that are listening. Uh, so I and appreciate that. Song, I want to say this too. If you have a good post that you're proud of the job you did and you tagged everybody up and you've done it, boost that post with five or $10. For five or $10, you can go get another thousand, 2,000 people to specifically see that ad. And if you put a link in there, hey, like the job we did, we'd love to talk about changing your home today. Link to my site, link yeah. to my landing page, link to my email address, whatever it is. And then you put five or $10 behind it, you'll now guaranteed that you're gonna get the power of the social network to get fully, that, that ad's gonna get fully dispersed through all of those people that you just tagged. Right, oh, excellent, excellent. All right, so we've got all the business talk out of the way, although this is business for the next one, but. Yes. It's more of our passion. It's the soccer. Yes. It's what's brought us together yeah, as friends to begin with. So I see the hat. Uh, yep. I know what I'm looking at. But yeah, explain to those that are watching and those that are listening, explain to us this, uh, this quote unquote side gig you got going on. Yeah, man. No, it's, uh, listen, I'm a father just like you are. And uh, I'm a former player, former athlete, former not anymore. Uh, and I had the, you know, I had the pleasure of getting a chance to play with you. And it was about that time I realized that um, I love the game, and the game's been the game of soccer has been amazing to me. It's given me so many relationships and experiences, and it's literally molded me and shaped me into the person I am today. And all of the success I have in my adult life, I can almost directly attribute to the lessons and the uh, evolution of myself as a player, and how that's caused me to develop and grow, and as a leader. You know, I was a captain of my high school soccer team. All those moments, I don't, you didn't, you never realized then, but lead me to now. And so when I had my son, uh, my oldest son, Hayden, who's 13 now, um, I immediately had huge dreams for him like every father does. But I felt like I had a leg up having played the game, played collegiately, done something, and achieved a modicum of success. But I knew that, that I had 
uh, a lot of things I could do and give and, and show, but I didn't have an opportunity for him to sit inside the locker room of what I felt to be a really good club or those next levels. So, you know, fast forward to he's about eight years old. He's playing for a coach, and his coach is playing for a team over in Fort Worth in the NPSL, which is the league my Diablos ran, playing for the Fort Worth Vaqueros. Uh, and Hayden and I would go watch the games, and we fell in love with NPSL soccer. We fell in love with the fans and the passion and the grassroots. I've always been a guy that appreciates um, the lowest of levels and people that are doing it for the right reasons. And uh, I also, we also fell in love with the quality of the soccer. It was just really good. Um, and so, you know, I had a couple conversations with the, the gentleman that owned the Vaqueros, and I had a, a kind of an idea that I thought a similar offering might be able to, to find some success in Denton. Uh, and selfishly, I wanted I wanted to be able to go watch really good quality soccer matches maybe 10 or 15 minutes down the road and not an hour down to Fort Worth, which is a beating of the drive from my house. Uh, and so in 2018, uh, I set off with Michael Hitchcock, my co-owner, and we decided to uh, to create the Denton Diablos. And, you know, Sean, I'm, I'm sure you can say the same thing and attest, but people that don't know, Soccer is the largest youth sports, uh, you know, attendant or enrollment of of any sport in the United States. So we have more kids playing soccer, you know, from the ages of four till about 12 than any other sport. Um, And we also have more kids playing, you know, soccer in those middle school teenage years than any other sport as well. But the number of division one scholarships and the number number of opportunities uh, for men's soccer players to continue the game historically has been extremely low and it's really just been in the past five years that we've seen a real explosion of what we call lower leagues so fourth division and third division opportunities within the soccer pyramid so i created the npsl team so that you know ultimately uh young men would have an opportunity to continue to chase the dream that i had to put on the shelf you know 21 years ago um and when i graduated college there was nothing the best players that i played with were, were lucky to get drafted in the MLS. And then after that, they went and maybe played some indoor soccer. And that was the extent of it. Yeah. Um, and so now the soccer paradigm and the pyramid is completely changed. And it's so much more encompassing and large. Uh, but there was still an opportunity, I felt like, um, to create a team that gave local kids. We sit in Dallas-Fort Worth, and it's absolutely insane the amount of talent that just gets pumped out of Dallas-Fort Worth uh, in the youth soccer. I mean, I can't throw a stone in any direction and not hit a kid that's playing division one soccer in another state. Um, you know, Geyer high school right down the street from us had two kids this year signed with university of Denver and university of Tulsa. All that being said, there are literally hundreds of super high quality, uh, soccer players getting produced in the Metroplex every year, but there's only two division one men's soccer programs in the state of Texas. Uh, and there's only, you know, a handful of division twos, I believe six division twos. So the opportunity to continue the game after 18 still wasn't fully developed. So created Diablos to give young men a chance to, to pursue their passion. Since 2018, we've, uh, we've been fortunate enough to have nine guys uh, move on from our humble club and go on to sign professional deals, uh, whether that's division three with NISA or USL one, a couple players have gone to USL championship and we've had three guys sign MLS contracts. So, you know, we're super proud, super humbled by no means is that all of our work by no means are we the majority of the reason those young men were excellent players when they came to us, 
but we do feel like we've uh, we've carved out a unique spot of, of being able to allow players to showcase themselves that otherwise might not get uh, that opportunity. And a couple guys recently have really come in, done well, and then paid super dividends. So Trevor Amon right now is at USL uh, one with the North Carolina or North Northern Colorado Hailstorm. And he's been tearing it up. He's featured in uh, twice. Has been yeah. man of the match. He's goal been made team of the week. Yeah, tremendous goal scorer. Goal scorer. Yep. And then Brian Padilla uh, played for us this season. He's just got an opportunity to go to uh, the Des Moines Menace. And the Des Moines Menace is about to go to USL One Professional. So that's an awesome opportunity for Brian. He did the same thing. Came in, scored nine goals in six games for us. Absolutely nice. lit it up. Yeah. So that's why I created the Diablos, man. Um, and I just wanted a fun brand. I'll be yeah. totally honest. You know, I think. I think any male that's played any um, sport on any uh, Xbox, PlayStation, or any video game console of any time or sort has created their own team or created their own franchise. Or and they, you know, if you're like me, you just all you want to do is get to the jersey creation stage. Right. Right. So right. a lot of it was I wanted I wanted to create a cool brand that I was proud to wear and proud. So I live in Diablo's t-shirts, Diablo's polo shirts, Diablo's hats, pullovers. It's my whole closet's red and black, big section, and uh, it's been it's been super fun. Nice. We were, yeah, we were fortunate enough in 2021 to win our NPSL national championship. So we beat out 90 something teams from across the United States. Went to Cleveland, beat Cleveland, hosted Golden State from San Francisco, beat them, and then ultimately beat Tulsa in the championship in Denton. So, you know, in three years, we've taken the club from an idea to the to the pinnacle to the highest of our of our league standings. And then we were able to compete in the U.S. Open Cup this year and the Hank Steinbrecher Cup, which are a couple really, really, you know, top-end uh, top tournaments. Ah, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see forever. it grow. Yeah, I'm <laughs> happy good. to see it grow. Yeah, we could definitely yeah. sit here and talk. Uh, Universal Screens is a proud supporter of uh, Denton Diablos, and we wish you all the best of luck this year. Them. So uh, they're sitting on the shorts. I don't know if anybody can see, but I literally <laughs> have the shorts on right now. There you got go. Universal screen shorts on, man. They all our guys wear it on their shorts. You guys have been awesome, man. We can't we can't appreciate or can't uh, thank you enough for all your support. Well, man, I appreciate you jumping on with us. You gave some very invaluable information to uh, very valuable information to our customers that are listening. Um, so as we wrap this up, uh, where can our customers find, find you guys find a, a Spiro agency? A Spiro agency.com A S P I R O uh, agency. And then I'm Damon at a Spiro agency.com. Email me any questions. I'm super easy to get a hold of. And I love sharing the little bit of knowledge I've been able to put together in life. So, if you got questions, if you're listening to this, like, man, that guy doesn't make any sense. I want to know this or that. Please shoot us an email. And we we know the screen business real well. So we'd love to give you some free advice. We'd love to give you a sounding board and, and try to help you take those next steps with your business. I appreciate that very much, Damon. Um, so, again, man, we're uh, we're going to wrap up this episode. We are, uh, we had Damon Gochner of the Aspiro Agency and also the proud owner of the Denton Diablos uh, the reigning NPSL league champions in professional soccer. So until next time, I'm Sean, and I'm joined uh, next to me is Joe, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Behind the Screens with Universal Screens. Take care. Thanks for listening to Behind the Screens. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast player and leave us a review.